Culture and Psychology with Tabana. A very warm hello to our Radio Bomdad listeners. This is Saide Malik Afzali speaking. I'm sitting with Dr. Alexandradi and Dr. Daniel Rockers, two of my friends and colleagues from Tavana Organizations. Today, we decided to talk about uh, the psychology of superstition. And I just shared with my colleagues that there was an article um, on APA, American Psychological Association. They usually have interviews with people who publish a book. And if the book is interesting, and um, like, for example, I think this book was bestseller, if I'm not wrong. And I was just sharing with my colleagues and we decided to talk about this. And I want to start as a beginning part of our conversation to say, we each come from different culture and within our culture, there's also the way we are raised. Some families raise their kids with all these rituals and all um, part of the religion is superstition. And um, we are raised by those. Do we ever question those um, things that we do? Like I know in Persian culture, there's so many uh, rituals uh, that, many people do. And based on, on the conversation, Dr. Weiss, who is the writer of the book called Psychology of Superstition, he explains that um, 50% or more of people when they surveyed, they have some sort of superstition um, in their culture or in their behaviors um, daily. Um, and I was just thinking about our culture in Persian culture, for example, when uh, uh, travelers, they're a visitor from long distance, especially someone from the family members, when it comes from long distance from another state to stays. And then when um, that person or the family leave, um, they come outside of the door and they all um, say goodbye and wish the family really well. And then um, also they uh, probably pray inside that from this point on the trip, be safe and they go back home safely. And then they throw some water behind um, when they're leaving behind the car usually. And um, it's just sort of something they do. And when I asked, they say it's, um, it's tradition. That means they wish them well to come back again and be healthy and be well. And also when, because uh, I think hospitality is big in Persian culture. But the other thing I was thinking was when a loved ones from the family uh, comes to visit and then leaves, um, just because you may be upset um, I mean, nowadays, maybe you're happy, but in the past, they were so upset when a visitor was leaving and they would just invite all friends and um, close family members to come and they actually cook special food. And I was just thinking when I was uh, reading the article from Dr. Weiss, I was thinking, this is really interesting and, and took me back to some of the rituals and traditions that I know of. 
And I thought, what was behind having a party after someone leaves and bringing friends and and close family members back to the house um, because you're upset that your son or your daughter or, or whoever has gone and now you're lonely, you're sad, but inviting people and cooking probably takes away that upset that you know feeling sad or depressed and everything we do probably has something behind it and that's that brought me to this conversation and I want to see if any of you have uh, more of these to um, talk about this is Dr. Alex Andrade Uh, hello to both of you I feel like the idea of superstitions too it can touch on multiple parts of our life and could be very broad um, so just I'm thinking, as you, you mentioned, a couple of different things, um, including like uh, family events. Uh, I, I, and again, I think part of me is kind of wondering if these are specific to my family or like Latino families, because this is something I've heard from other Latinos, um, but may extend uh, across other cultures, too. Um, for example, when we're at you know events or family gatherings, um, one of the things that you're having to do is you have to literally like go around and greet everybody and give them like a kiss on the cheek or give them a hug. Uh, and I don't, it's not necessarily a superstition, but it's one of those traditions almost that like you have to do. Um, I've always wondered like what happens if you don't um, besides maybe looking rude uh, and people kind of noticing. But it's it's funny, too, because generationally I've noticed and especially with COVID, um, you know, we haven't done that as much. And so you're kind of doing either like the side hug or the little fist bump. Um, but it's definitely something that uh, is uh, felt as an absence in regards to the the normal way of greeting family. Uh, definitely something that uh, we do for our elders as well. Um, more so elders, I should actually say, than like the younger generation. The younger ones are like, hey, what's going on? You give them a quick wave and, you know, they're little kids. So you're just like, get out of here. Yeah. But with the elders, it's like, hi, how you doing? Good to see you. Um, so it's, it's a very uh, respectful kind of process. Daniel, did you uh, have a similar experience? Uh, no, not quite. But I was thinking about, I'm studying the German language now. And one of the things that we go over in there, or at the beginning of each week, there is a video that talks about German customs. And one of the German customs is that you do not wish somebody happy birthday unless it is actually on their birthday. Oh. So you cannot say it like a day before or hope you have a great birthday or something like that. So there's that. And then there is also this idea like when you're having drinks, you know, and you share and drinks with people and you do a toast and you like cheers or whatever it is people say, all different kinds of things that in the German culture, you look people right in the eye when you're toasting them. Mm. And if you don't, then it's like bad luck. Mm. So it's very important. This is interesting. And we can go a lot of places with that. To me, I interpret that as, you know, it's pretty important to be aware in the moment, kind of be in the present moment. And I think that a lot of the things like our superstitions really somehow are designed to bring us back into the present moment and to make sure that we stay focused on it. So things like knock on wood, Mm -hmm. that I think is to bring one's conscious awareness back into the present moment 
and I do believe this, and it would be called superstition, but I do think that it is true that when we do that, there is something that happens in our psyches and whatever those energies are that make up conscious awareness, that it has some effect on what we're doing, where we're going. Very interesting concept. And I was just thinking, knock on the wood, um, for good luck. If you see, I mean, for example, in our culture, the way I interpret knock on wood is, um, and I think in many cultures, they have knock on wood. Uh, It's very interesting now that you said that, because when you say knock on wood, you're afraid the, the devil would take away that good thing from you, whatever devil is in your mind, you knock on wood, that this good luck doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. So with that, I'm just thinking, you know, they're like in many cultures, they have the evil eye. And now even jewelries, they make so many beautiful jewelries out of that evil eye. Um, I mean, um, even famous brands now are doing that. In many cultures, they have evil eye. What's the evil eye? Can you say more about that? I'm not too familiar. The evil eye, um, I I know, especially in Middle Eastern culture, in part of um, Eastern European culture, uh, they believe that when you, um, you know, for example, you show something very vivid and beautiful, the eye has um, a ray of um, which happens naturally in the eye of the other person that they be called the devil eye that takes away that. Like, for example, you have a beautiful dish and somebody says, oh, my gosh, this dish is so beautiful. What happens a few minutes after or the night after or whatever it, that falls from your hand and breaks. So they stay, the evil eye, the color blue, they think it takes away that ray of, um, um, that, that um, um, comes from the other person's eye. When you really are attracted, you feel like something is very beautiful or um, you go to somebody's house and things seem very attractive uh, something may, this is superstition, of course, but something would happen. So the evil eye and that color blue would take mm-hmm. away that. So that's in many cultures. Um, and I was actually reading a book about all these superstitions long ago, long ago. And I think it was by a Russian person that was explaining scientifically what happens to the eye at the time that you are deeply attracted to something that ray and and actually he was explaining how this actually happens but i take it as superstitions but i know in many cultures have you go to turkey every store you go there are so many different um, pieces of artifacts with evil eye and i think in turkey this is big because even um, things that i see in other countries there uh, they always say this is from turkey the evil eye is from turkey interesting i was thinking the stank eye have you guys heard that when somebody's looking at you kind of sideways and they're like kind of judging you a little bit i wonder if that's related to that too mm. it's like don't be looking at me all evil that's what i that's why i was thinking like the evil eye is like somebody's looking at you kind of 
suspiciously with, with disgust yeah yeah but like, that's different to... though this is the opposite when something really takes your attention to the mm. point that you really want that or you really feel like this is really something extraordinary um but in in um that those cultures especially in their eastern culture they um use uh, some of those um evil eye they put it in their home they put it at the door um they wear the jewelry it's very customary when you go to different people's house to see that evil eye because that takes away the negative devilish um side of that look okay we are um to our first break we come back and we converse uh, regarding the superstitions at this point i want to say something in farsi shanavandegane aziz radio bamdad age taze radio tun bas kardin va sedaye ma ro mishnavein ma az radio bamdad sohbat mikonim rozhay shanbe va ye shanbe با دوتن از همکاران دکتر الکسندر راده و دکتر دانیل راکرز من سعیده ملک افزالی هستم و صحبت های ما در رابطه با موضوعات روانشناسی مسائل روز و به خصوص مقالات یا کتاب هایی که تحقیقات مفصلی روش انجام شده صحبت میکنیم ولی بیشتر صحبت های ما به صورت معمولی و صحبت هایی هستش که عقاید خودمون رو راجع به موضوعات مطرح میکنیم خواهش میکنم اگه فکر میکنیم برنامه ما ممکنه مورد توجه کسی قرار بگیره دعوت کنین ازشون به برنامه ما روزهای شنبه و شنبه از ساعت دوازده هایی که بعد از ظهر از رادیو بامداد توجه کنند. امروز ما راجب خرافات و اینکه چطور خرافات در فرهنگ های مختلف جا گرفته صحبت میکنیم برمیگردیم ادامه صحبتمون رو در مورد خرافات میدیم We are back with uh, Dr. Daniel Rockers and Dr. Alexandradi. Uh, this is Saide Malik Absalia speaking. Our uh, first part of our conversation was about superstitions uh, and the psychology of super superstitions. What happens that we talk about uh, or we actually practice some of these rituals and some of these superstitions? Um, I want to go back to um, some of the superstitions, um, some of the rituals they have in American culture or European countries. Um, one of the things that you mentioned, Daniel, knock on the wood, I think um, 
this is something big here. And also um, some people have lucky number and, and number 13, and especially Friday 13 is something um, that I learned in especially American culture. But I think number 13, um, for some reason, what is behind it? Maybe I heard um, even from the article I was reading is because um, the last dinner, they were 13. Um, at that last dinner. Um, and that might be uh, what is behind it. And also um, another thing in Egypt culture, uh, as I was reading the article, um, they don't like to put the um, ladder anywhere that is ladder uh, because they um, appreciate or they have so much in their cultures um, that the angle um, actually brings bad luck, but, or it's, if it's not just the holy places in their culture. So anything that makes uh, an angle, um, that is, um, something that, um, they, they don't even pass by it because that's a bad luck or many hotels. If you go and, um, actually they have room in 13th floor, they give you discount or, um, if the black cat is um, running across from you, you just take that as bad luck. I mean, there's so many things in American culture and in um, so many other cultures that there is something behind it when you study and when you really learn um, what is behind that or something good or something bad. We take something as good luck. For example, one of the things I know, um, owl, um, because it's symbol of wisdom, uh, it's something really good in American culture, but the opposite is in Middle Eastern culture. Owl is not the sign of good luck when um, you see an owl or, um, you know, there's, and even superstitions is within animals. We know Dr. Skinner actually had a study on uh, pigeons. We all know that. So, Basically, superstitions is part of animals and part of human beings. And, um, you know, hey, what tell I'm, us about Skinner's experiment. Oh, good. Um, as far as I remember, and you guys can chime in, um, Skinner puts a bunch of pigeons in a room. And every 15 minutes, he just throws some food at them. During the time, every 15 minutes, the pigeons actually were running around because they were new to the room. And then every 15 minutes, they started turning around because they thought that was the reason the food came to them without going after food. So Dr. Skinner from that point actually comes up with this idea that superstitions is even with and within animals life as well. So for example, if a bird um, just happens to come to a house that they have food. Um, they think superstitious because for whatever goes in the little brain, they come back for food and they take that as superstitions. Um, you know, so there are, there are so many, um, you know, interesting stories behind these uh, superstitions ideas. And what is the psychology behind it? For example, I don't know if you guys ever had this, you dress up, you go for a speech, you go for a presentation, and then you do really well. 
then the next time you go, I'm going to wear this tie. This really brought good luck to me because whenever I wear this tie, um, I speak well or I do my presentation the best way. Dr. Wise actually says there is a psychology behind this superstitions that it really works. So he says there's nothing wrong with that. If any of these things you do that you think in your mind that is helping you, so why not doing it? Because you don't hurt anybody except that deeper in your mind, you are basically being more positive about what you're going to do. For example, wearing this tie, have another good presentation. Um, and he talks about Wade Fox, the baseball, famous baseball speaker, uh, I mean, player, that um, so many, he's on top of the list for following many superstitions. And he actually played 18 times in the season and every time basically he won. And he had actually three hours of superstitions and stuff before every game. And, and, and Dr. Weiss talks about this, that how psychologically, how psychologically he had that strength in him because of all these beliefs that he had. And he went and he actually performed his best games always. Uh, and he wrote something in Hebrew and that brought him good luck. Or he ate chicken because when he was in high school, once he ate chicken at lunch and he went and he played and he won and he did his best hits, then every time before his game, he ate chicken. And Dr. Weiss talks about this psychologically and says there is some positive psychological effect in us when we do something psychologically that helps us. So, I mean, we can talk about these. Hey, let's talk about it. Here's the question I've got for you. <laughs> the question is this. No. I like, and this isn't, oh, it's not a yes or no answer question. <laughs> that was a good start. Good preemptive strike there. There you go. In golf and probably in a lot of other sports, I know we would have like, uh, like in basketball, if you're shooting free throws, it is encouraged by sports psychology to have this do your ritual here, like dribble twice and then set up and do your shot. Or in golf, before I take my shot, it's like make a ritual, do it this way and always do it this way. That way you get the conscious thought process out of interfering with that. The question I have is, in, is that superstition? And if it is not, in what way is that different from superstition? I guess I was wondering that too. Yeah. Is it ritual or practice? You know, cause like you said, with basketball, you dribble a couple of times, kind of get oriented with the ball, how inflated it is kind of, you know, getting comfortable in that position of what you're going to prepare to do. Um, but again, I mean, I think it's at the thin line. I could see that being like, okay, this is, what I do to get ready. And this helps. And it could, if it's practice, it can help. So it's just, how do we, how does the person kind of define it for themselves? Like this contributes in some way. And I guess I was wondering too, I mean, if it, you know, I could see dribbling the ball kind of helping in, in preparation for shooting a free throw. 
I wonder if eating chicken before a baseball game is really going to help you. Like at what point do these things kind of maybe seem a little out there versus actually contributing to the thing that you're going to do? Um, I remember growing up and I think Wade Boggs was on the, the Boston Red Sox. And uh, yeah, I, I never knew that he had all those rituals. I mean, he was a good player, you know, was it because of all those rituals? Uh, did they reinforce this belief in himself? You know, was it maybe just something that he struggled internally to give to himself? But he said, if I do this, this external thing, then that's going to contribute to me in some internal way. And so maybe it was easier for him to say, like, it's not me. It's these things that are contributing to me. And so I think it's that, that idea of that external versus internal locus of control. What's impacting us? You know, what's influencing us? Is it us or is it these external things? But if we jump one more step in that question and add OCD rituals? I was going to talk about that. Actually, Dr. Weiss talks about that in his article and in his book. He talks about, um, you know, sometimes when it gets too much of the uh, rituals that you do, then, you know, the question is, it, it, where do we really draw the line that if this is a disorder, this is, you know, psychic, or this is a ritual because he actually talks about that. And um, the fact that if something, for example, 10 times you have to um, read this number in order, um, because that's something in your mind and it's more than probably three times that you learn, but it's it becomes sort of OCD um, processes or um, when you're cleaning, if you don't clean, let's say 10 times a surface, then he actually talks about this, this, then you have to really realize that there are some things that is crossing the line with some sort of disorders. But he talks a lot about that baseball player, Wade uh, Fox. He says he entered the field when he was playing basketball at special side of the gate he would enter and he would never leave from there. And that was all the rituals in his head because probably one time he left from the same door that he entered and probably that didn't bring him good luck. So he had specific rituals that he was following. It wasn't anything about what you guys were describing from basketball shooting or playing golf. It was like with his big toe on the earth, on the soil, he was writing something in Hebrew every single time. And if he didn't do it, he wouldn't start to, to, to play. So, I mean, there's so many things. And he actually says the rituals um, or superstitions um, are more among um, athletes, among players, because that gives them a lot of strength inside. The, and, and they have some stuff for themselves. Um, or wearing, especially with athletes, wearing specific socks or specific color of socks. And he talks about that. And he says these things psychologically, because they give you comfort, they, we, we may, um, you know, anxiety is part of human being. And we each have um, some, uh, to some degree, 
But he says these kind of rituals and these kind of superstitions um, help you to overcome some of the anxiety that we have. So he actually sees it as a positive thing, not negative, as long as it's not dangerous. Because he talks about, for example, um, gamblers. This is dangerous because they, um, they have some sort of like number of hours if they sit at the table at that time they may win. And he says, this is dangerous. We're not talking about those sort of rituals that your family are gonna suffer or anybody would suffer, but things that you have inside, you may not even share with anybody. He talks about there are some personal rituals and there are some cultural rituals or cultural superstitions. And then he talks about religion. He talks about the superstitions in religion. There are some rituals we do, um, like the holy water, um, or so many things we do and we don't question. What is it behind it? I'm wondering if uh, either of you have certain rituals that you can think of. I've been trying to think of rituals that I have as we've been talking about this. I can't think of any specific ones off the top of my head. But uh, yeah, I was wondering if you guys can identify some. Do you mean like things that we would put in the category of superstition or just any sort of rituals? Maybe superstition. Because I was thinking of with golf, like when I'm putting, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're on the green and you're hitting the flat stick there, that was my training that I got was you need to have a rhythmic ritual because that helps get your mind into that rhythm. And then when you're taking the putter back and through the ball, you're going to stay on that rhythm and that it's very important to get hit a good shot. So that's a ritual, but somehow in my mind that doesn't, I don't classify that as superstition, but I can't, I really couldn't tell you how is, in what way is that different? That's why I was asking that question earlier. It seems like it's not much different i i am as you asked now i'm thinking i used to have one or two actually i remember when i was in high school i had a a pullover that um a couple of times i had that in winter and i actually had a plus and i was always thinking if i wear this pullover i always will have a plus and i remember at one of the tests I, because this was in my head, I wore my pullover and I did terrible in that test. From that point, I put it away. I thought, no more. This was only a few times before. But um, I. The magic ran out. I know. And I clearly remember the pullover, the color, because it was in my head. If I wear this, this brings me lucky, you know, test results. That was one thing I had. And I had another thing I was just thinking while you were talking about that, um, which was um, something that, you know, when you go back and you think about it, you go, wow, why did I even think that way? But it comes to me. If it's something that brings one confidence. Yeah, exactly. Then the chances are, and I think we know this to be true from performance work, if it brings you confidence, you're more likely to do better if you have confidence. And if there's something that knocks down your confidence and you feel you're going to fail, you're less likely to do well Mm -hmm. in performing it or learning it or any of those things. Yeah. So. In that way, 
I'm not sure I would throw automatically throw something like the lucky shirt into a superstition. I don't know. It's a just there's a fine line, I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we each do different things. Um, so, yeah, I think there's certain things you do as a like you said, like in golf or in baseball or basketball, um, because that's part of getting ready, setting your mind to do that. But it's different than superstitions, I think. Um, Maybe we need like Tavana sweatshirts and they can all be good luck. Can we, can we, you know, input or imbrew good luck on something by, by (laughs) saying it? I guess that's what we're talking about, right? Oh, talking about lucky numbers. I know so many people have lucky numbers, you know? Uh, So now talking about superstitions, I have a lucky number. And I, when I am picking a number, I usually pick that number. I, I reminds me, there was a, 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 com, a comedian. He said like, my, my lucky number is 4,728 or something <laughs> like that. So, certain, so random, like this huge number. Uh, I think a lot of times, like you're saying, it's probably a single digit, I'm guessing, huh? Yeah. 7,684,000. That's your lucky number. It doesn't come up often, but it's my lucky number. Yeah. Okay, we got to another break. Uh, I want to say something in Farsi. شنوندگان عزیز رادیو بامداد اگه تازه رادیاتون رو باز کردین صدای ما رو به زبان انگلیسی میشنوین ما روزهای شنبه و یه شنبه از ساعت 12 تا که بعد از ظهر از شرکت توانا با دکتر دانیل راکرز و دکتر الکساندراده هستیم من سعیده ملک افزلی هستم ما این صحبت هامون صحبت های معمولی و نظرات خودمون هستش ولی معمولا تاپیکی که انتخاب می کنیم تاپیک های روانشناسی هست که در تحقیقات روانشناسان معروفی که کتاب نوشتن راجبش و تحقیق کردن صحبت می کنیم دو قسمت اول برنامه رو اگه نشنیدین ما راجب خرافات و اینکه خرافات چه نقشی در زندگی ما دارن و از نظر روانشناسی خرافات چجوری دیده میشه و کلن راجبه صحبت های دکتر وایز که ایشون یک کتابی نمیشتن راجبه روانشناسی خرافات صحبت کردیم و اینکه خرافات تا اندازه که به کسی ضرری نرسه و شخصی باشه و به ما از نظر روانی و روحی کمک بکنه اشکالی نداره برمیگردیم دنباله صحبتمون رو ادامه میدیم
we're back with Dr. Daniel Rockers and Dr. Alexandradi. We, uh, at the first two parts of our conversation, we talked about the psychology of superstitions and also why some people are gravitated towards some rituals and some uh, superstitions. Um, I was just going to go back to what you said, Alex, uh, the locus of control. We know that uh, there's an internal locus of control and external locus of control. Um, don't you think those that um, they have uh, less internal locus of control may tend to gravitate towards some of these superstitions? Yes, because I could see, you know, wanting to exert some control. And so the belief that, which can get reinforced while they'll do that continuously, that if they do this thing, it will bring them something. And again, you know, if it's something that's, uh, you know, can be innocuous, you know, or as we've been talking about contributes in some way, then they'll probably continue to do it. And I'm sure that they can even justify you know, why maybe it didn't work one time, like you were saying with the sweater, I'm sure if, you know, even one time you perform poorly, you might have been like, oh, well, that was because these other things versus wanting to discount your sweater. But it, it did kind of sound like you threw the sweater out like the first time you didn't do well, too. So <laughs> maybe it was a little bit of a lack of studying, maybe more than the sweater, but the sweater ended up suffering because of it. So yeah, it's wow. just... Huh? <laughs> I think she didn't study well enough. <laughs> no, like that she studies a lot. <laughs> it was before the sweater incident, she didn't. Now, uh, see, now okay. the sweater has a purpose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I remember the color of the sweater. Okay. The I sweater. hope you guys are not picking on me from now on. But I was just going to say actually, Dr. Weiss talks about the anxiety. People with more anxiety, they tend to have more of these uh, superstitions because it helps them to calm them down. For example, things that they don't have any control over, like the future, like a lot of people who are afraid of death, for example, they have some sort of connections in their own ways um, with all these superstitions or part of it could be religion that they're hanging in there with different strong beliefs that it keeps them going. And I think that is true with um, a lot of people. And, and you know what, also as psychologists, when you think about this, when you are younger, you know, you have so much to look forward, you have um, the future. Um, and then when you get um, older, rather than being wiser and think over some of these superstitions and see if there's evidence behind it. Um, so you have, you, you think you're more logical, but it, it actually, um, the research shows that you're more um, towards uh, some of these rituals or some of these religious, um, you know, practices um, because of the unknown future, because of the anxiety. Reminds me of somebody has a rock and they said, this rock keeps away tigers. And somebody says, that's ridiculous. There's no tigers around here. And they're like, yeah, exactly. It works. And so it's just like, yeah, there can be some truth to these things. So, and you can't, it's hard to challenge them though. It's hard to test them. But all right, here's an alternative question is this, 
how do we know that those things don't have some effect somewhere? Hmm. Because absence, as we learn in grad school, absence of proof is not proof of absence. So just because it hasn't been shown doesn't mean it's not there. Electricity, I think, is a great example. Before electricity was discovered, if somebody said, oh, well, here, there's this force and it does this and does that. And people say, well, show, show it to me. And well, I actually, I can't show it to you right now. Or I don't know how to always get it. People could discount that and dismiss it. So you took me to a Jahari quadrant. We know what we know. We know what we don't know. We don't know what we know. We don't know what we don't know. You know, what you're saying basically is we don't know what's behind it, right? So, yeah, you might, let's talk, describe the Johari square, Johari quadrant for our listeners, because they may not know what it is. Yeah, Johari quadrant is that uh, basically it's um, very philosophical. Uh, There are things in life we do that we know what we do. And we know, we, we know that we know. Uh, there's so many daily things we know, or there's some knowledge that we know we have. Um, there are some things that uh, we know we don't know. You know, I know that, uh, for example, I'm not a scientist and I don't have any idea of what science is about different things. I may read about it, but I know that I don't have the knowledge, right? And I know what I know. I know, for example, in field of psychology, there's uh, this much that I know. And then I also know how much I don't know. But then there are also things in life that we don't know what we know. It's hidden, you know, it's in our unconscious, maybe, um, that it hasn't come to conscious, and we don't know that we know it's it's there. So maybe we go back to the uh, uh, Jungenians, um, Jung, um, um, that talks about the shadow part. There are so many in un- our unconscious that we don't know. And then we don't know what we don't know. We don't know what we don't know. So there's a part of us that works and knows what knows and what doesn't know. But there's part of us that doesn't know what knows and part of us that doesn't know what doesn't know. So that's your Hari quadrant. And I think based on that, sometimes what you said, Dan, seems like, yeah, we don't know. The absence of something doesn't mean that they're absent. Yeah, it doesn't mean it's not there. It could be there. Maybe. Well, I thought there were studies that showed, for example, that prayer does have an effect. Is that not, am I not thinking, remembering correctly? Uh, I know there was a lady, um, Catherine Ponder or someone, if I'm not wrong, that person that his book was bestseller in New York Times a couple of years ago. And I read both um, part one and part two of her book. Um, And actually, uh, she was explaining that uh, she just happens to go to places um, and she's she is meant to be there because of the prayers. And that was the bestseller probably about like 20 years ago, I believe. Um, And I remember she talks about the power of prayer. And I think that was the name of her book. But Dr. Weiss actually talks about the 
superstitions part of this. He says there's no evidence that prayers um, are working. So maybe that that is the confidence that we have when people pray, we think their energy. And it's so this is like Jahari's thing. We don't know what um, we, you know, really, we don't know whether it's working or not. So Dr. Weiss basically says he's completely against anything that doesn't work logically or doesn't have any evidence. But he says there are people who believe in it. And if it doesn't hurt, why not believing in it? And he says there's so many personal rituals or personal um, we things we have that we don't share with anybody and there's nothing wrong because as you said Dan it gives you confidence it gives you comfort you know specifically what you said the prayers we know in all cultures one of the first things when we hear someone is ill we say our thoughts and our prayers are with you so there are some people who really believe in the power of prayers or sending the positive um, thought on the way of someone. Like, for example, when I was talking about um, throwing water, uh, dropping water behind the car that's leaving, uh, that's sort of like prayer, part of, part of the rituals you do to wish that person well and safe trip back home and come back safe. Um, so I think these are things that, um, you know, a lot of people do. And as long as it has the positive outcome, um, that would be fine. I mean, and some people are very much into logics and evidence-based, um, you know, um, experiments, uh, and they just put an X on anything that they don't have evidence for. But a lot of people have those uh, beliefs and those rituals that give some F evidence. So maybe back to what Alex uh, started to talk about was the locus, internal locus of control or external locus of control or, uh, or vice versa. Well, how much does that matter, whether I have an internal or external locus of control? Well, because we talked about it, when you have internal locus of control, you are so much in control that the external stuff doesn't um, break you. So you don't need something to hang on to, to give you confidence. You do have it. You know, I have people that I know that when um, sometimes I know some major thing happened in their life. And when I said, you know, my prayers are with you, she, she just right to my face said, I don't believe in that. You know what I mean? It's like, you wish someone with, I mean, the only thing came to my mind, I said, you know, my prayers are with you. And, and, you know, I think of you and because uh, I don't believe in, in prayers. So I'll have to put them somewhere else then. Huh? I mean, <laughs> how do you respond to that? Yeah. You tried know. to offer you a gift, but you're slapping it away and running yeah. me down. So. It's just even those like positive, like, I mean, people say like good vibes, you know what I mean? Like you can't measure that. It's not quantifiable, but that positive kind of outlook or hope that you have for that person. And, you know, you can call it prayer or good thoughts. Um, yeah. Who's not to say that that doesn't do something in some way. And yeah, I think it is. I, I think there's so much in this world. And, and I think as I, uh, in, in, in this field longer and longer, there's, there's so much that we can't explain in a very concrete and a very tangible way. 
Um, and, and again, sometimes it really services or really helps a person. I think, yeah, like you said, prayer and good thoughts and the, the kindness that we're hoping for somebody's family or, you know, that they get through something. Um, yeah. Who's not to say it doesn't impact things. Right. Um, so people have different practices. People have different beliefs. Um, one thing I like um, to really tell our listeners is whoever uh, or whatever they do, if as long as it doesn't hurt you, or it doesn't hurt anybody, you know, we don't have to laugh at them. We don't have to, we don't need to talk about them or, um, you know, ridicule them, but It's just whatever they do, it's working for them. And I even said in one of our shows um, that I, a family member, we were in a gathering with the families um, and it was extended family. We were in Bay Area and we were sitting at one of the relatives' homes and there were a bunch of people, like about 40 people there and they were all gathering. And um, one of the relatives started talking about um, she has recently joined a group that they have a lot of rituals and they do different things. And she was just saying how much is working for her and she sleeps well, she's feeling better. And then all of a sudden, a bunch of people started jumping on her. You are an educated people. How could you just join a group that, you know, they're not even, they're this and they're that. Haven't you studied about these people? How could you even as an educated person join this group? And I remember um, I was just right there listening to this conversation. And I was so mad that this poor woman is talking about how much she feels better joining this group she sleeps better. She actually feels calmer. Her anxiety has been decreased. And then all these people are jumping on her. Why are you joining that group? And I couldn't really believe that. And, and honestly, I was going to stand up and say, if you think you're educated and you are jumping on her and, and calling her on, you know, uh, someone who is not uh, with his, her wisdom is not working. I mean, it's the same. So leave this poor lady alone. She feels better. What is most important than, you know, feeling better and feeling calmer. (laughs) So every time I think of this, this happened like 20 some years ago, I still remember vividly what conversation was going on and how uncomfortable I was that to witness this. And I just thought, you know what, I have to I I wish I had said something, but I was younger and I wasn't rude to jump into it. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't you weren't rude. <laughs> Maybe I am now. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, you know, it's it's sort of I was shy to jump in and say something to people who were older than me. And uh, but anyways, uh, we are at the end of our program. Time flies. And I think I spoke the whole time, you guys. Remember, next time you're going to speak and I'm going to be quiet. I think so... you did, too. I, I think you did. <laughs> it was good stuff, though. It was all good stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. I helped you. Uh, I know that uh, you're in part of 
in your heart of heart, you're going to say, thanks, Saide, you helped us. Thanks, Saide, you helped us. <laughs> okay. Along those lines, do we want to leave? Me- yeah, let's leave listeners with uh, our final thoughts, or should we take a quick break? Um, well, either way, um, we can just take a short break and come back and finalize our conversation. I don't want to be superstitious. I mean, let's not break routine. That might be bad for us, right? So uh, <laughs> what should we do? Okay, let's take, let's take a break and then come right back. start with Dr. Andrade. All right. Mine was going to be, let's hear what Daniel says, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that was going to be what I left listeners with, but I guess I'll come up with something. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting to, to, to reflect on kind of what we believe in. And as we've been talking about the comfort that it brings us. And so I would say, you know, just kind of reflect on what are those things that as you go throughout your day, you go throughout your week, uh, you know, where do those things come from? I find a lot of them can come for, uh, kind of generationally or passed along. And sometimes they're not questioned or examined. Um, but yeah, they could be something that it brings almost like a comfort, knowing that that's something that, you know, our family believes in, that's something from our culture. Um, so, you know, whether than saying if it's right or wrong, even just being able to kind of embrace that as part of our culture uh, that allows us to feel connected in that way. Um, I think it's tricky because if we think of it as like right or wrong or good or bad, we get in this place of judgment. Um, so yeah, I'd say just kind of take note, reflect on that and think of how that even draws you connect or, uh, closer to your, your culture as well as even your family. I think rituals are very good and very important for us as human beings to bring some sort of stability and order into our life, as well as to inspire confidence. I think the key is that we want to look and see, does my ritual get in the way of my functioning or does it help me function? So like in a lot of OCD things, the ritual does reduce anxiety, but it also can get in the way of normal daily functioning. So rituals are good, helps bring order and stability in life. Just make sure you understand the ramifications of what you're doing and why. 
And sometimes I want to say we may not believe in some of the rituals, but because we live in a community or in a society that do things in certain ways, just to be part of that community and part of that society, we actually come along and we do it. Um, Doesn't mean that we believe in it, but just to show respect to that community or respect to that society we are within. But I want to reiterate what my colleagues mentioned, both that um, Alex mentioned, um, you know, the rituals are something that we each um, sometimes practice in our life. And if it helps us, we continue doing it. And also Dan said something really great about the rituals, that there are things that we do that it helps us. And and it just uh, sometimes necessary, even as a human being, we have some of these things. It just connects us to others, connects us to our culture. And also if it gives you and more strength and more confidence. Why not? As long as you have personal things in your mind, you don't have to share with anybody. But as long as it makes you stronger, as long as you do better, um, you know, just continue doing it. Uh, it's nobody's business what superstitions is or what rituals is. As long as you're happy, you're doing it. That's good. So with that, I want to thank my colleagues, Dr. Andrade and Dr. Rockers, for another conversation. We come back tomorrow. We continue our conversation about one of the psychological topics.
رادیو بامداد صدای ما و شما با زبانی آشنا